When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. think if you are sitting and your option is a Friday night and let's say you you truly want to better your life. You want to pay off your debt. You want to buy your first house. You want to upgrade your car. You want to take a sweet vacation. Like whatever it is that you want, you know that your life would be better if you had that extra cash. And it comes down to, should I do a $16 an hour job on a Friday night or should I sit and binge Netflix I personally think we completely should do the side hustle if it betters our life. Let me be real honest with you. There is only so much you can cut from your spending to change your money situation. So instead of hyper-focusing on cutting more, I really want you to shift your thinking to what could bring in more cash flow? That, to me, is just a much healthier way of looking at your money and can change your money situation quickly, I believe. Our guest, Whitney Hansen, she's host of the Money Nerds podcast. She knows a thing or two about bringing in extra cash. She has tried and tested so many side hustles to find the most profitable and the most worthy of your time. In this episode, we talk about her most profitable side hustles, and I'm talking about ways to bring in like 500 bucks to a couple thousand dollars a month and more. 
why she thinks starting an Airbnb side hustle might not be the wisest thing this year, and how to turn your skills and talents into extra cash quickly. So let this be the year, declare it, where you unstick yourself, the year where you create cash flow and move it towards your goals, the year of making money work instead of lamenting that there just isn't enough money. Hopefully, Whitney is going to give you enough of a gentle nudge in this conversation to get that confidence to start. All right, let's start talking. You know, this is a new year. I can't believe 2024. Like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to me, that number. But for some reason, I seem to like the even years better than the odd years. Me too. <laughs> it's like a weird <laughs> OCD thing, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited that this year is an is an even one. And you know, this is the the second episode of the new year and I wanted to talk about a topic that I know everybody listening always loves, side hustles and passive income because let's be real, there are so many different tugs on our money and things just don't always seem to be getting easier. It seems to be more and more expensive. And so you and I both know that creating cash flow is really, you know, the name of the game. I think you can only cut expenses so much <laughs> in your life. I, I really want people to, in this new year, think about instead of coming from the place of just cutting everything, coming from the place of like, let me see how I can just bring in more cash flow. And, you know, you've done everything from like unique Airbnbs to I know you did Amazon Flex to rehabbing furniture. And we're going to talk about all of those. But I'm curious, you know, what is what would you say is your most profitable side hustle? Well, okay, there the most profitable side hustle so far has been the unique Airbnbs, but I will also say that was the most cost intensive and and physically intensive. It was a very hard, difficult process <laughs> that I don't think I would recommend to everybody, but by far, that's the most profitable. So to give people context, I have two unique Airbnbs. I have one that is a glamping dome. We've talked about this on the show before, so you could definitely go listen to all that crazy story. But this year on the glamping dome, we are on track to bring in $43,000 in revenue, wow. not profit, revenue. But that is pretty good for one property with a, I think we ended up investing about $100,000 but it's cash. Like it, it has to be cash. It's kind of a pain in the butt. So that gives you some context, but that is by far the most profitable that I've came across. Yeah. Let's talk about Airbnbs. I, you recently, this year, last yeah, year, yeah. <laughs> what year are we in? Um, the odd year, you, you won a contest for Airbnb where uh, you got to design with your mom a flower pot house, yeah. which is crazy. I've watched it from ground up on your social media. And it really is. It's a giant flower pot house. And you talked about the Cascade Dome. And, you know, I, I want to ask you about just Airbnb in general and kind of the real estate market. I know a lot of people went to Airbnbs in uh, in the pandemic, right? And they were very profitable. And now there's been all these stories about there's, you know, all these Airbnbs that are just sort of sitting empty and people had either put money into them or were really expecting or needing that cash flow and it just isn't coming. And so it's, you know, always that conversation of is Airbnb dead? Is it, you know, should we move on? Is there something new? People are going back to hotels. What's your sort of, you know, pulse on, um, you know, how the, the real estate market is, is impacting, um, you know, Airbnbs and even these unique ones that you have? I think the the unique ones are at a little bit of an 
advantage where there's a little bit more supply and demand already baked into that because of the uniqueness of the property. If I were, I mean, do as you will, but if I were looking at 2024 and I was thinking of doing Airbnb investments, I would not personally choose to go purchase like a condo in a very normal city, fix it up with TJ Maxx furniture, make it look really cute. Like that is not the style that I would do. And what I have seen is not all the time, but most of the time, the very traditional houses or condos that don't have a big draw to it other than just being a nice fixed up place are tending to have bigger issues with renting. And so I just wouldn't do that at this exact moment. I think the market does different things where, you know, 2020, you you could have gotten away with that and you probably made a ton of money during that time. But now we're starting to see that those are the types of properties that aren't doing as well. Also, there's a lot of city restrictions that are coming through where cities are straight up banning short-term rentals in general. New York City, we just saw this. It was a huge issue where if you're not at least doing 30-day rentals, you can't even do an Airbnb at all. And so I do think that that is a very real thing. So for most people, I would probably honestly not recommend doing Airbnbs in 2024, which I know is very counterintuitive and I'll probably get a lot of crap over that. I know, but it's just from what I've observed... I don't think the ROI is as good as people think, especially with interest rates being higher, our costs are being a little bit higher. So if you're taking out massive mortgages for these properties, you have to bring in so much more for it to be worth it. Otherwise, it's like if you're making $500 a month and you had to shell out $400,000, is that really worth it? I don't know. For me, it personally isn't. It might be for you though. Not sure. How did you think of these unique Airbnbs that you that you have? I mean, like, where did the the sort of vision for them come from? And and how did you maybe think like, okay, so if traditional Airbnb isn't profitable right now, like this might be another avenue to explore? I think the unique stuff is just something I've always been interested in as a consumer. And so anything that's kind of unique or different, I'm the type of person that wants to go stay in the castle in Ireland. I want to go stay in the cave house in Utah. Like I'm into that kind of stuff as a consumer. And I know there's a lot of other weirdos like me out there. So that market is not new. It's just, it's something that, you know, there's always going to be a market for that. There's a property in Idaho that is a giant dog. Have I ever showed you this? What? No. It is the cute. It's it's weird. I mean, it's definitely weird, but it's a giant beagle dog that this couple made. I want to say in like the 70s or 80s. And it's the funniest thing. It's in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. And that place is so booked up and it always has been. And that was even pre-Airbnb. So I think if you look at that track record, you're probably going to be fine um, with going to something more unique. Okay, I I think I have to stay at this property. It's called the Dog Bark Park Inn. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Okay, after I stay at the Flower Pot, <laughs> I have to stay at uh, at this. This is great. But what I love about this is, I, you know, I think that again we've we've talked on both of our shows about this all the time that there's you know sort of this set rules around money and how you have to do things. And I love that there is a 
a creativity and kind of thinking outside of the box. So, you know, if I was thinking like I want some passive income or I want to create a side hustle and I I like the idea of Airbnb, it's like how could I use my, you know, creativity and my imagination to bring something to life that is different that is unique and I think even, you know, things that I know you do really well, but thinking about even like the experience, right? Is somebody has inside of your Airbnb everything from you know, the linens to the music to the coffee, you know, all of that I think is really important. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like we have to turn into little like uh, hotel ears now where, you know, you're thinking about it differently versus like, hey, I've just got like this, you know, space in my house open. Let me just throw it up and like cross my fingers. Yes, I think you're, you're spot on. And there's a great book that I always recommend to people that are interested in in B&Bs or whatever the heck it might be. Maybe you want to build an ADU, an accessory dwelling, a mother-in-law suite, whatever you want to call it, a little guest cottage in your backyard. It's the same type of concept where you have to think about things a little bit differently from the guest experience. And the book that I think helps with this is called Be Our Guest. It's all about Disney's business model. And I think it's really fascinating because it helps you go through the five senses and how do you incorporate that into your property. So I think it's a really good thing. Um, but I, again, if if you're not interested in Airbnbs, we can definitely chat through like more practical side hustles that will get you money immediately or money in a couple of years, depending on your goal. Um, so I'm happy to share some other weird experiments that I've tried. <laughs> Yeah. And I love, I I definitely want to go in that direction. You talk about experiments and I love that you're always sharing like, hey, let me go out and try this side hustle and see if it works. And then I'll report back to you and, and, you know, let you know. So we've just come out of the holidays and obviously holiday debt is a thing and, and people want to pay that off and they want to, you know, make this, this a new year. What are, what are some of those like easy, I could get it up and running side hustles, passive income, like things I could start today that might bring in some extra cash flow. Let's say you have zero money. So you you truly don't have any money. You can't invest anything. You just need cash to pay your electric bill tomorrow kind of thing. So if that's your situation, the side hustles that I have tested and actually think are great would be more of your on-demand delivery stuff. This is your Uber Eats, your DoorDash, your Instacart, and I would even group Amazon Flex in this as well. And so when I was testing this, I try to test the side hustles to see if I'm truly working a normal nine to five job and I can only work on Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, how much money can you actually make? So I live in Boise, Idaho. So hopefully that gives people some context. It's a a good medium sized city. And so what I found is when I was door dashing and doing Uber Eats, I was trying both. I would work Friday nights from about 4 to sometimes 9 p.m. I might occasionally get a little bit lazy and say, 8.30, I'm out of here. 8 p.m., I'm I'm going home. (laughs) But I would try that on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And what I found is between all of those days, if you do all three of those, I was bringing in about $500 to $600 in profit every single month. Now, that's pretty cool because what I also learned is when you're doing these on-demand deliveries, that first hour that you work or that first shift, like my Friday night, that money would actually not be profit yet. It would go to pay for my gas for all weekend. And so that's something to keep in mind too, where if you're just doing this occasionally, you're still going to make a little bit of money. 
but it's going to take a little bit to recover your gas costs and that kind of stuff. But generally, that's about 18 to $20 per hour when you're doing any of those on-demand deliveries. I like that because I think that's realistic for a lot of people. Like, I don't want to do this side hustle like every single day a week because let's be real, like I'm tired for sure. <laughs> and uh, and I want to have some sort of life. But you know, five or six hundred dollars a month. Like, I mean, there are so many different ways we could use this. If you are in debt, think about like if you add five or six hundred dollars onto your debt payoff. Like how fast that debt is going to get paid off is ridiculous. If you got student sure. loans or anything like that that you just you want to get rid of, I think, you know, you do that, I don't know, you know, a few months, six months, something like that, you know, you commit to that. Like, I think that could be really life-changing for a lot of people. I think so too. And one other thing that I saw, my sister did this and I thought it was absolutely genius. Her son was going through the process of going through all of his driver's ed stuff. And you have to have a certain number of hours. I couldn't tell you what it is, but let's say a hundred hours of driving time. What she would do is she would do DoorDash during that time. So her son would be driving. She would run and pick up the food and then they would go deliver it. And at the end of the evening, they'd split the money after gas. And I'm like, that is so smart. So I think some of these side hustles too, they don't have to take away from what you typically do. Like you can use it in a normal way. Your kid has to get those driving hours. Just key into that and make a little extra cash. They can earn some money too. So there's other ways that you can do it where it's not taking away. Um, Another one that I personally love, and this is if you have a little bit of money to invest or not, I guess you don't have to, is furniture flipping. So what I found for my own personal life is I love decorating. I love building. I really enjoy that process. My budget does not enjoy that process. (laughs) So it was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't afford to do a $20,000 kitchen remodel once a year. It's not going to work for me. So I've got to learn how to get that fixed somewhere else. And so what I started to do is I started to find pieces of furniture that were either free on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or very low cost, like under $50. And I would purchase that and I would redo that furniture and resell it on Facebook Marketplace for a profit. And that is one of my favorite side hustles if you're a creative person, because that one can immediately turn into a ton of money. You might have to invest a little bit. You don't always have to. But that one, when I was testing it pretty consistently, it was about $2,000 a month. Like it, it's not nothing Whoa. like you, you get better as you do this too. So you start to get a better eye of like what will move in your area. What does not sell? Like if you're going to refinish furniture, don't do it too funky, like keep it fairly neutral. So it speaks to a larger audience, but that one's a really good one too. I think. I mean, $2,000. I know I mean, we're starting to like, we're starting to get in the like, I mean, yeah. talk about life changing, yes. right? You're trying to save for a holiday, a vacation or or even a down payment at your house, like, you know, what a way to do it. And so tell me about how do you know, I know you, you sort of got an intuitive sense after a while, but in the beginning, like, how do you know what pieces to buy or, you know, get for free in the first place where you could, you sort of see that vision of like, I know what this could be. How, how do you, how do you do that in the beginning when you don't know what sells and what doesn't? That is doesn't? such a good question. So if you really, truly do not know Use Facebook Marketplace as your tool for research and for selling. I think it's the easiest because you don't have to worry about shipping or any of that kind of stuff. So that's why I generally recommend that. But Facebook Marketplace now has a section on their 
their page, which it might change in two months, we'll find out, of recently sold items. And so you can start to see, okay, okay, these are all the things that are recently sold. You can also tell if you you scroll through Marketplace long enough and you're looking at furniture, you're going to see the people in your area who are flipping furniture, the ones that are fixing it up and reselling it. You can tell from their pictures. They look significantly better than everybody else's. (laughs) So when you (laughs) see that, click on their profile, and then you can see all of the different pieces of furniture that they have sold or have had listed or currently have listed. I use that as a good research tool for helping me price items and then see what are the styles that tend to be moving in my area. So for Boise, what I have found, anything that's clean lines, this is kind of true for everywhere. Any dressers that are a little bit longer and have very clean lines, a little bit more of like a mid-century modern flair, those tend to do really well. Also, because in Boise, we don't have Ikea, that Ikea furniture ironically moves here. I don't really get into that, but it does. (laughs) So (laughs) if you have some, that would sell too. But it's all of these like simple, timeless things. So tables, kitchen table and chairs that are very simple, nothing too fancy or or ornate. Dressers move like crazy. Hutches or like consoles in general move pretty well. Uh, Chairs can do well too if they're in good condition and pretty basic. So those are just like good tried and true pieces of furniture that will move. And then the pricing you can get from Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. All right, Whitney, it's time to play Your Relationship with Money is Game. So first question, if you were to describe your relationship to money as a cartoon character or a movie, what would it be? Cars. <laughs> it's fast and furious. <laughs> it goes out as soon as it comes in. No, um, honestly, I'd say at this stage, that is very true with, with Airbnb properties, but I would say that's probably it. Outside of that, I actually think Winnie the Pooh is kind of boring. And generally speaking, I think my relationship with money is kind of boring. It's just a tool. I don't do anything more. It pays my bills. It gives me a good life. But I 
don't really have this like crazy exciting money journey. Like it's just stable, able. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Tell us what the theme of your money thoughts are. Oh, I've worked very hard on this. So the theme of my money thoughts these days is very neutral. Money is just neutral to me. It is truly just a tool to allow me to dabble, experiment, have a better life. But it doesn't really mean much to me from a, an emotional standpoint. Question number three, you have unlimited money. Like it's never stopping. It's just flowing in. What is the first place you would spend your money at? Okay, this is a new thing. There is an old railroad on the way up to the dome. And every time I drive by it, it's out of commission. It's not being used. I wish I had way more money to help make this railroad like a biking path or snowshoe path. I think that would be the most incredible thing in the whole world. So unselfishly, that's what I would do. Selfishly, I would buy and build more unique properties. All right. Last question. Question number four. Tell us one money secret you have that maybe most people don't know. I truly do not spend money very often. Like, just really do not. Um, it's kind of a weird thing where I work from home. So there are sometimes, you know, weeks where I will finally look up and be like, oh my God, have I even left the house? I've just been working. And that is usually reflective of my money too. So when I tell people that I don't spend money on eating out, like it's like $100 a month, they usually don't believe me, but it is very, very true. So that's kind of one weird money secret that I have. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Everyday Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. 
All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And like, what are you doing? Uh, do you have like typical process of of what steps you're doing to like actually rehab the piece of furniture or like how much effort you're actually putting into yes. it? Yes. Okay. I'll give you an example. So I'm in no position to be doing furniture flipping right now, but I am. <laughs> so I found a... <laughs> I like that. But I I it's, it's a bad habit. I love it so much. There's a beautiful console that I found that's very antique on Marketplace for $50. And it's heavy. It's probably from like the late 1800s. It's a really, really good piece. So my first thing that I do with any piece of furniture is I will screenshot the image and I will immediately go to Google image search and I will do a reverse image search for that image. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to understand what's the time period this came from, how old is it, who might the manufacturer be. So it will pop up similar listings on Etsy or second dibs or all kinds of different websites. So once you have that information, then you have a better idea of what you're actually looking at and what type of furniture it's going to be. From there, I will go negotiate always. I don't usually try to talk people down too much. I'm not offensive, but I always like to practice my negotiation and then pick up the piece of furniture, bring it home. I will scrub it down pretty good with like a TSP cleaner. So it's just like it gets all the grime and stuff off. And then from there, depending on what the furniture needs, if it's something that's going to take a lot of work, then I will go through the process of like figuring out, okay, what's my shopping list? What do I need to pick up? What colors do I have for paint or stain on hand? And if it's a piece that just has a little bit of wear, but just needs a little bit of love and, and stage, then I will just clean it really good, bring it into my house stage it with a couple plants. That's a good hack. It always moves it faster. And then list it. And most of the time, my pieces will sell within a few days. If it's taken longer than a week, (sighs) I've overpriced it. Oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, it's just, it it sounds like something that is doable for most people. It probably takes you maybe a couple little tries to, you know, figure out what you're doing. But you know, I, I'm thinking also for everyone listening, how do you know or what advice would you give to someone? Like, How do you know if a side hustle is worth the time investment? Like, How do you know if it's worth trying? I love this question because I actually have very oddly strong opinions about this. I think if you are sitting and your option is a Friday night, and let's say you you truly want to better your life. You want to pay off your debt. You want to buy your first house. You want to upgrade your car. You want to take a sweet vacation. Like Whatever it is that you want, you know that your life would be better if you had that extra cash. And it comes down to, should I do a $16 an hour job on a Friday night, or should I sit and binge Netflix 
I personally think we completely should do the side hustle if it betters our life. I have found so often where people will talk to me about that too. They're like, well, what about the wear and tear on your car? What about gas? What about blah, blah, blah? I'm like, what are my alternatives? Like quite seriously, like I can complain about my finances or I can take control and maybe I'm not making a hundred dollars an hour, but also is my time worth a hundred dollars an hour when I'm browsing Netflix? No, it's not. So I think it, it just comes down to what you're willing to accept. I personally think I would accept almost anything if it means it's bettering my life in some way. Yeah. So that, you know, brings me something we talk about on this show a lot, which is how we interact with money, our relationship with money, the mindset around money, whatever you want to call it, right? And so what you're actually talking about, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're talking about is like a structural change in how you think about money. Because I think we we can look at the place we're at and say, I'm not making enough money. There's not enough or everything's expensive. And then just feel like, but I don't have control over that or I can't change that. But we know the answer is yes, you can. And what you're talking about is things that you actually can implement. Like right now, if you're listening to this episode right now and you need extra cash, like you can start doing some of these things. So how do we budge ourselves out of that place that I feel like we get stuck in for like our whole life of like, well, this is my job and I'm not making enough and I just and nothing's going to change. Yeah. It's a great question too. And it kind of keys into, there's two things that I like to talk about when it comes to this. One is there's a lot of side hustle or job shame out there where I have seen and I've heard people say, I could never do DoorDash because what if I go to someone's house and they answer the door and I actually know this. I'm like, well, dude, tell them to tip you better. Like, it's fine. Like, who cares? Like, there's so much shame around this stuff where we beat ourselves up and it, we feel like it's like a failure if we take on extra work. But the stats don't lie. Like, most people do have a side hustle of some type. So everyone's really doing this stuff, but yet we're really holding ourselves back. So that's one thing. The second thing I like to remind people of when it comes to side hustles is this is not a forever thing either. This could be a seasonal thing. Maybe it's something where you just want to pick up a little part-time job just to help you get an extra $2,000 so you can take your dream vacation to Australia. That's fantastic. It, it doesn't have to mean you're doing this for the rest of your life. And if you have friends and family that make you feel bad about you taking on extra work, those are the types of people that I promise you are probably struggling financially themselves and don't have enough courage to face themselves and say, okay, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to take control. I'm going to better my life. I'm going to make this work. They sometimes just make you feel bad about it because they're just projecting onto you. It's such a great permission slip. I think what you're talking about is to give ourselves permission to try some of these things and to give ourselves permission to to change our our situation and not care what somebody else says or thinks or or does and I think that's such a powerful message for this new year that I really want everyone to embrace is to, to give yourself permission like if you're in a place of of debt or you want to like create something great let's say you want money from for the down payment of your house like going out and trying some of these side hustles and really creating the change for your money situation and not caring. It's it's so empowering. I'm, I'm wondering, 
where did your like where did that first little burning desire in you come from where you were like you know what i'm going to i'm going to try this this side hustle thing okay so it there's two places it stemmed from the first is this is very inherent for me it's very natural i love working i've always been a worker when i was a kid my dad owned a pallet distributing company and as a kid i would go out there and i would repair these pallets to be sold to uh, truck drivers so they could ship all their different products and stuff. So I would repair those and I would get paid $1.50 for every pallet that I repaired. This is like child labor stuff. Like they would definitely be in trouble today, but <laughs> I loved it. And there was this guy that we, he was a truck driver that would always carry candy. And this sounds so creepy because he was like the candy man for us. But <laughs> so it sounds very strange, I know. So he would have these damaged boxes of candy. And I was, I don't know, like maybe 10 or eight. I was pretty young. And finally, I got to the point where I would buy these big boxes of candy that were damaged for $5. And I could only eat so many sprees in my life. And so eventually, I got to the point where I'm like, hey, you know, like it's too much candy for me. I'm going to take it onto the bus and sell candy. So that's where it always has came from for from me as a child. But as an adult, it came from my coaching clients. I would hear people talk about how they really wanted to better their financial life, but they wouldn't take the steps to do it. And I finally got kind of fed up one day. I'm like, damn it, I'm going to show you that you can actually make money doing this stuff. I'm going to go test this out and let you know how it goes. And so that's kind of where as an adult it came from. But then I found that I kind of love it. Like it's fun to test these things and report back of how much you can make or what's worth it, what's not. Like So that's kind of where it came from for me. Are there any side hustles that you want to try this year or any side hustles that like you haven't done where you're like, oh, I, I really want to test that one the out? The one that I'm trying this year and I'm saving up my my coins right now, I'm side hustling to pay for this myself, is a lemonade truck. I'm obsessed with this idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me about so, it. There's a gal that I came across on TikTok that I think her TikTok is Liz Loves Lemonade. And she is fantastic. She is 22 years old, has put herself through pharmacy school through having a lemonade truck on the weekends. And I found that so inspiring and so interesting where she was just truly making a ton of money off of a food truck business. But the food truck business itself is very simple. You don't need a fryer. You don't need a ton. Like You need a fridge. You need lemons. You need a little bit of electricity and a generator and a freezer for your ice. That's it. Like you don't need all of this different regulation stuff. And so when I started looking into that more, I just think it sounds so fun to just go to these events, pull up my lemonade truck and just sell lemonade. It sounds so fun to me. And who has, you know, when you go to a place, right, and they have all the food trucks, like who has a lemonade? It's true. Stand? No one, it's right? True. And it's like a, a childhood thing that we all loved. I mean, I was, I loved having a lemonade stand as a Me kid. Too. So I think that's such a brilliant idea. And I think it's fun too. And I think the interesting thing about this that I want to remind people of is my partner and I do very well financially. We do not need money. I mean, we always need money, of course. Like there's always plenty of properties I want to buy and like there's, there's lots of stuff I want to do, but I don't need the money. And so I think it's fun to treat side hustles as a way for you to 
dabble, experiment, try new things and see where it might lead. Like, yes, you might need to start that because you truly do need the money, but it can evolve into things that are just really enjoyable for you. And it might replace your full-time job. It might not. It might just be something you really love. But I think the skills that you learn from side hustling too is something that we often overlook. And I think too, there's probably so many uh, hobbies or things that we're really good at that we could turn into a side hustle. Like uh, we talked about this on your show, but I I love to bake and I'm gluten-free. And so my sort of signature is I can make anything gluten-free and you will not know it's gluten-free. And I, so I make these these cupcakes that people just like, they go nuts over. And then I tell them that they're gluten-free and they're like, what? No, <laughs> like it can't be possible. And I'm like, I promise you, it's possible. But it's funny, you know, just in the last few weeks, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, do you sell these? And I thought, this is so crazy. Like, I I would have totally undermined my ability to make, like, oh, I just make cupcakes because it's fun. It, you know, it's, it's a, um, a therapy sort of thing for me. But I, I started thinking, like, wow, okay, people actually would probably pay me money for my cupcakes. And I then I started to think, you know, well, I mean, they could buy cupcakes anywhere. And then I started to think, you know, in the town I live in, there aren't a lot of cupcake places and nobody sells a really good gluten-free cupcake. And so I, I just think it's like, it's such a great um, message to think about, like, what do you do really well that maybe you take for granted that other people would pay you to do? And it could be as simple as, as that thing, like I was, I was uh, working with a a money uh, coaching client I had the other day, and she has this really great. She's a great visual artist, and she designs things and t shirts, and she's really got this funky image that I just love. And I was like, God, why don't you teach other entrepreneurs like how to create stuff? Like, uh, why don't you hold online workshops? I would pay hand over fist to like learn how to take you know an idea out of my head and like get it out and. And she was like, oh, I never really thought about mm-hmm. that. You know, and so I think there's so many different ways that we could cultivate this. It's just what you're saying, right? Is we got to get to our place of like, it's okay for me to do this and it's okay for me to charge people for like lemonade yeah, or whatever yeah. it might Heck be. Yeah. And I, I think too, it seems like so often I see this trap where people will think, you know, I'm way too busy. I've got too much going on. I hear you. I don't have kids. I feel busy enough. I can only imagine if I had children how how much extra overwhelm that would feel. However, what we often fail to realize is that when we're doing these side hustles, we think it's going to drain us more. And sometimes that's true. But if you are working at something that you think is so freaking fun, you love calligraphy and you're just doing your calligraphy until 11 p.m. and you're practicing your art, you're baking your gluten-free cupcakes, it doesn't always feel like work. And so there can be a time and a place where it does turn into work and that's your choice of whether or not you want to do that. And if you start feeling that resistance, you can pull back. But I often think that so many people would be a lot happier if they gave themselves permission to just dabble in these hobbies and allow themselves to possibly make money with it as well. Like, I think it's a really powerful place to be. And yes, you might be overwhelmed. Yes, you probably are very tired. We all are. It's very, life is hard sometimes. But it can also be, as you mentioned too, a form of therapy for you. 
And what I love about you is every time we have a conversation and we talk about one of these side hustles, like you always get my brain (laughs) (laughs) moving in a direction. And, you know, I have thought about the furniture flipping forever and I've never actually done it. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is, this is the year I'm going to try some of these things because I, I've been guilty of myself thinking, you know, having a side hustle in me must mean I'm not doing well in XYZ and changing that thinking around it to, you know, some some sort of fun project that I'm, you know, that I want to try. And so I would imagine, you know, probably a lot of people listening are, you know, excited about the idea that they can actually create real money with these side hustles and use them in, you know, various different ways. What do you want us to walk away from this conversation, you know, really sort of cementing in our brains about, our ability to create passive income and our ability to create change this year going forward. So it it doesn't have to look like how it looked like in the past or the struggle doesn't have to maybe exist anymore the way we've, you know, held onto it for all these years. I would say if you've been kind of teetering around the idea of picking up some extra work, you know, it could truly change your life. Just commit to it for three or four months, nothing long-term, just a few months to just try it out and give yourself permission to dabble to see what resonates with you, what side hustles you really enjoy, which ones you truly do not enjoy, and just give yourself that permission to explore within your own life and experiment. You will find something. If you are testing different side hustles and you are attempting to make a little extra money, you're going to know very quickly which of these really resonate with you and which ones are not for you at all. And the Biggest part of discovery and experimentation I think that we often forget about is knowing what you do not like. If you know what you don't like and what will not work for you, it's so much easier to find things that do bring you joy and do light you up and you also make a little extra cash from. But just commit to it for three months. Give yourself that time. See what it happens for you. And I think it really will change your life. I have linked Liz Loves Lemonade in the show notes for you to check out. You know, lemonade, it might not be your thing. I get it. But what I love about Whitney's advice is that even simple things like lemonade can turn into profitable side hustles and bring in extra cash. It has certainly got my brain going. Oh, and if you need a good gluten-free cupcake in your life, I am definitely your girl for that. You can turn into all of Whitney's amazing episodes on the Money Nerds podcast. You can check it out on every podcast player. She has got an episode with me that is going to be airing soon about financial trauma, so you're going to also want to check that one out as well. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links that are mentioned in this episode, as well as our generous sponsors who help make this show possible. I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.